What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to ACRAC. I'm Jed Wolpoff and I've got a great show for you today. I'm excited to have with me back again for fans of the show. We'll know he's been on the show multiple times is Dr. Mike Fitzsimons. He's the director of cardiac anesthesia at Massachusetts General Hospital. And what I love amongst many things about Dr. Fitzsimons is he has such a broad range of interests. And one thing he's taken an interest in, which we're going to discuss today, is the use of marijuana amongst healthcare providers. And so we'll learn what that means, how it affects things, and what we know about the issue. Um, Mike, welcome back to the show. Jed, thank you very much. It's uh, it's very nice to be back. And, you know, I, I think that this topic really does kind of jive a lot with, you know, the areas that I do work in, you know, which is substance use disorders, you know, prevention, disabilities, uh, death by suicide among health care providers. And, you know, obviously this is becoming a more important po- uh, topic out there in society as we see, you know, multiple multiple states that have now legalized marijuana, not only for medical use, but actually for, for recreational purposes. Right. Yeah. It's such an interesting landscape uh, where we've got these different laws uh, in states versus the national government. And so I think it really is a topic that people are probably pretty interested in. So, Mike, let me ask you, you know, what do we know kind of about the broad landscape of uh, marijuana use nationally? What's happening? Are there trends that we know about? You know, so I, what right now, you know, since, since, since 2014, a total of 10 states have actually legalized all forms of marijuana use, both, uh, both recreational and medical use, um, while 23 have actually legal, legalized mar- uh, marijuana for, medical, for medical, uh, medical use only. So it seems like each election cycle, though, more and more states are coming on board and legali- legalizing it for one or, or both purposes. Right. So it's certainly becoming uh, legal in more and more states. And does, do we know, does that also correlate with an increase in use or, or do we not know that? 
You know, it's, it's been very difficult to say. I mean, when, when you look at what's what's happened in the states that, that have actually legalized marijuana, and obviously the most prevalent one seems to be Colorado, where a lot of the substances come, come out. The initial studies show that there's really not an increase in, like, past month use among individuals. There's really been not, no change in high, in high school use. But a couple of the, the changes that they have seen is the perception of the risk of the drug has actually decreased. I mean, people don't think it's as dangerous as it actually was it was years ago. Now, a couple other things we've seen, again, this is on the general level, not necessarily for individual health care providers, is that um, you know, calls to poison control centers have actually increased uh, due to the use of marijuana. We've also seen more admissions to emergency rooms due to children actually, um, uh, actually either overdosing or, I shouldn't say overdosing, but actually being, being expo- uh, exposed to the drugs. Um, sure. Admissions for pregnant women has really remained stable, but admissions for women that actually report any marijuana use during pregnancy uh, has has actually gone up. So we are starting to see things. We're also starting to see more involvement in motor vehicle accidents um, am- among individuals that have a- that have actually been uh, uh, been utilizing marijuana. And as I mentioned earlier, again, the attitude towards the d- drug being at high risk, even among those in high school ages, has actually dropped down. Okay, so people's perception of this as a potentially risky substance is decreasing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what it sounds like certainly whether whether there's actually more use or just kind of more reports coming in of the things like you mentioned, um, certainly it's becoming more widely spread uh, acceptable in a more widely spread area with the um, with the increase of legalization in states. What, if any, way is this reflected in the healthcare world? What are healthcare providers using marijuana? Do we know the answer to that? You know, we're, this is one area where I think we are seriously lacking behind in, you know, in our response to, you know, to legalization, legalization of the drugs. You know, when you look at, at, at the use by, by healthcare providers among, among medical students, and it's very difficult to determine how much use an individual has, because we often use terms such as lifetime use, regular use, weekly use, daily use, or more than a certain amount of times, though. But lifetime use among medical students goes anywhere from like 30 to more than 70%. And regular use may be anywhere between 10 and 20%, with daily use to around, down to around 1% to, uh, to f- uh, 4% of those uh, uh, individuals that, that are in medical school. Now, obviously, they progress on to residency, and it's actually been stub- subject to less study during the residency period. But among physicians, ever use of marijuana is like 65%, around 10% used within the past uh, six months, and daily use may be around 1%. So it doesn't appear to be a huge number of physicians, but there are a number of physicians that actually use it on a daily basis. You know, since, you know, this is primarily anesthesiologists that, you know, that, that we're talking, that are, you know, um, listening to your program, yeah. every use is slightly less than 50% among uh, anesthesiologists, with around 6% of those describing themselves as a regular user. Now, regular user might be 
every day. It might be weekly. It may be up to, you know, to, to every month or so. So again, that's difficult to tease out. But one thing that has been shown in, in uh, Dr. Warner's study that was done to, in 2013 that showed an increase in the prevalence of substance use disorders among resident physicians in anesthesia, um, 14% of those identified marijuana as the first illicit substance that they actually, that, uh, that they actually used. Okay. So that would suggest that people who end up in anesthesia with a substance use disorder started um, using marijuana and then kind of progressed from there. I think that, I think I, that's what it suggests. Yes. Okay. So is, so we think that there's some amount um, of providers and not necessarily small. So you said overall one to 4%, even maybe using it daily and all, all providers, but certainly a larger percent, you know, using it regularly. Do we think this use by healthcare providers is a problem? And if so, why? What impact do we think it has? Well, I, I, there's no great studies in healthcare providers. I mean, we, we've not really looked at healthcare care providers, uh, you know, use of marijuana that actually in the way that it's actually been looked at among individuals that um, that are in other safety sensitive positions. For instance, drivers, you know, drivers, the likelihood of being involved in a motor vehicle accident after the use of marijuana is certainly is certainly increased. You know, in what studies have shown that the individuals are slower, slower to, comp uh, to compensate and their ability to compensate actually worsened with increased task complexity after they actually utilize marijuana. You know, so you think about it, you know, among physicians, anesthesiologists are dealing with time-sensitive, critical decision-making virtually every single minute of their working day. Now, let's extrapolate that to AV, you know, um, physicians to aviation. So we often talk about the aviation environment as equivalent to the anesthesia environment as far as safety goes. We're often, you know, quoting, oh, well, this happens in aviation. We should replicate that in medicine. Well, pilots are one area where there's actually done more studies. And a lot of these studies were done in the 70s and into the 80s. And what they've shown is that there's actually a decrement in pilot performance seen at least 24 hours after a single marijuana cigarette. And the pilots are generally unaware that they've actually been impacted. And what the impact? Well, you know, variables include, you know, um, uh, um, deviations in, 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 in lateral, in uh, vertical and lateral approach on landing and somewhat distance off center. That means you're trying to go down the runway. You're trying to land in the center of the runway. And there's going to be deviations among those pilots that have actually been uh, been tested in simulations uh, situ situations after the use of marijuana. And I think an, an incredibly important point to make is that the potency of the marijuana years ago is far different than the potency that we actually see in the uh, uh, in cannabis mar mar uh, marijuana today. We're actually seeing far more, far more potent marijuana. Yeah, that's interesting. And you know, uh, Mike, I remember seeing a recent tweet actually by the Surgeon mm. General saying something along those lines. And I think it was something along mm. the lines of uh, especially products that you can purchase um, you know, like brownies or cookies that have THC are incredibly concentrated uh, to the to the tune of, you know, orders of magnitude more concentrated than what marijuana smoke used to be, at least back, you know, 10, 20 years ago. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I haven't necessarily seen that tweet, and it's kind of difficult for me, to, you know, to comment on it. But you know, but I have I have heard heard such information before, and you know, I, I think we often underestimate it because you know there's probably more of a delayed uptake with something such as you know a brownie or including it in you know obviously what we refer to as edibles than right. kind of the immediate high that people get from from uh, from smoking a cigarette. So they may not really be as aware of the impact if they take it in that form as opposed to as opposed to if they're actually smoking uh, smoking marijuana right okay so we think that uh at least in pilots mm-hmm. marijuana use uh and now that it's even more concentrated than ever you know mm-hmm. potentially we would think these these consequences would be magnified but it does things like you said kind of take away from the pilot's ability to uh perform as well to land uh, midline on the runway or to you know kind of hit their targets do we think that's due to uh, – is it similar to alcohol in the sense that it's kind of like, um, you know, a little bit of a disorientation and maybe a disinhibition? Or is it do, – do we know why it's causing these problems? You know, with, with marijuana, there's generally – we kind of talk about three different effects there. We talk about kind of the acute residual and the chronic, the, the chronic effects of the drugs. And, you know, the, the, um, the acute effects that generally occur, uh, you know, neuropsychologic effects through the CB3B1 CB1, receptor, you know, there's impaired decision uh, impaired decision making. It slows down an individual's dis- decision making. And I think people are often aware aware of that, though, in the acute phase and what that is is you just got done smoking the cigarette or you're still smoking the cigarette you know with that that alteration in perception there the residual effects though are those the effects really 12 to 24 hours or so afterwards and people are just not as aware of it you know just as we, we talk about pile you know, our, our ability to to, you know, to respond to different circumstances to actually compensate for the challenges that we face and then the chronic effects we really just don't know uh, don't don't uh, don't know as much uh, as much about okay now I you know I think people feel like all right I'm a healthcare provider but if I'm not working over the weekend you know I can go out and I can have some drinks on a Saturday night and I'm certainly going to be fine to work on Monday morning. Do you think it's the same? Uh, you said kind of 12 to 24 hours there can be some lingering effects. Does that mean that, you know, if somebody were to smoke marijuana on a Saturday night that by Monday morning they're probably now okay, or we don't know the answer to that? I, that, that I'm not going to answer. I mean, my, my well, I'm, I'm not going to answer with a, with a definitive answer, but, you know, what I would say is that you – my feeling is you're taking a risk. The, the, one, the difference between – Alcohol and marijuana is that is that marijuana is a lipid soluble agent. It's going to hang around a long time. It's going to hang around a long time in the in in the central nervous system. Especially the more you use it, the more you know, the higher potency you use, the more frequently you use it, mm-hmm. the longer you've actually used. It. And it's difficult to really predict how long it's going to hang around. And it doesn't just hang around in a benign form. Some studies have shown. That in a regular, long-term, high-potency user, drug tests can come up positive. As I think, as I've read, as far as seventy-two days out of wow. use, and that's a long—that's I mean—that's a long time for a substance to really hang around. It sure is, and you bring up a good point. Let's talk about testing. So, are medical uh, centers and, and practices testing for marijuana, um, and and what does that mean for people out there? 
Okay, so some are starting to test for marijuana. So here, here at, at Mass General, we, we started drug testing back in, our first drug test was in January of 2004. And we elected at that time not to drug test pre-employment or random. And it was a bit of a de, you know, de, debate there whether we, should do, we, whether we should do it or not, though. But, you know, I, I think in our effort to get this, uh, get this across, um, we decided at that time not to test in those two circumstances. But we do absolutely test for cause. And so that is if we, you know, we determine that your performance is impaired. You're not showing up for work on time. Your behavior's changed. Your drug accountability, your drug accountability is off. You're sleeping in the operating room. You're not responsive to calls. You know, we're going to stage our normal intervention. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk with you what our concerns are. And we are going to get a urine drug screen that does include a, a test for marijuana. And, you know, a lot of people make the argument, well, but you can't necessarily say that it's the marijuana. Well, what we're concerned about is the performance is actually the one that we're, what we're concerned about. And if marijuana is present, it's a very, very difficult uh, argument to make that it's that it's. You know, not marijuana. It's not the THC that's actually speaking. And so I think from that standpoint that, you know, that physicians that, that choose to utilize the drug are they're 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 taking they're taking a risk with their with with their career. Now, that's that's their decision, though. But, um, you know, but we do feel this is a patient safety issue. So we we do test for for, for cause for marijuana. And I do hear that other programs out there are testing pre-placement. Uh, that means pre pre-employment. Because some studies have shown that individuals that do test positive for any substances on pre-employment testing tend to have more problems long term. Now, there's some conflicting studies out there that may show that that's not the case, but with 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 marijuana. But um, you know, it goes down to I, I think that the, the drug does have the ability to inter interfere with your performance, and we we can test for it easily on a urine drug screen. Interesting. And then, you know, you were saying that at the extreme, I mean, it could be 72 days out. So, you know, when you say people are taking a risk, uh, it's quite a risk of using marijuana. It could be a month later and potentially you could uh, have a screen come up positive. Yeah, if you're, uh, if you know, it, th that requires someone to basically make smoking marijuana their full time job. Um, but again, you you don't necessarily know about the the potencies of these drugs, right, and right. you know, and the thing I need to point out too is still currently that marijuana is illegal at the federal level. You know, since 1970, since the Controlled Substances Act occurred uh, during the Nixon administration at the time of the War on Drugs. Marijuana was declared a Schedule One drug, basically up there with with heroin. And you know what what a Schedule One drug means is that there is no defined beneficial medical effects of it. That the um, adverse effects are not are, are not studied that uh, are not uh, are not studied uh, not studied well also. Right. So the now that seems to be changing a little, right? We feel like there probably there are I mean it hasn't changed at, at the federal level, but we do think there are some legitimate medical uses of marijuana, is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. There are there are legitimate medical uses. And, you know, I'd refer the you know your your listeners to a study done by the National Academies, and the National Academies basically reviewed. I don't know how many thousands of studies on, on marijuana, but a huge number of studies. And what they really tried to look at was tease out 
are there benefits in certain areas? There were areas that they did find conclusive or substantial evidence that cannabis, cannabis and cannabinoids are affected. And this included chronic pain in adults and as an antiemetic in the treatment of chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, and then improvement in patient-reported um, multiple sclerosis spasticity. And there was moderate evidence for improved, improved um, short-term outcome in some patients with uh, sleep disturbances like due to obstructive sleep apnea fibromyalgia, chronic pain, and multiple sclerosis. And then limited evidence for maybe some increased appetite and decreased weight loss associated with HIV or AIDS and um, maybe improving uh, physician-measured multiple sclerosis spasticity and maybe some improvement in, 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 in Tourette, uh, Tourette's syndrome and possibly some improvement in symptoms of post-traumatic uh, post stress disorders. Okay, so there's some legitimate medical uses um, but the federal government, as of yet, has not removed it from being a Schedule One drug. No, it hasn't. But now, but there's been a couple things at the federal at the federal level that have actually efforts that have kind of been made to maybe make the laws uh, related to marijuana a little bit more. You know, I'd say a little bit more reasonable. Um, in 2013, in response to states starting to legalize marijuana for medical purposes, uh, Attorney General James Cole at that time issued something called the Cole Memorandum. And basically what that said is that the federal government would take somewhat of a hands-off approach to hands-off hands-off approach from the states that have laws that are strong laws um, that do allow the use of marijuana, but control for other problems uh, that are associated that are associated with it. And basically, what Cole um, said is that the government would not interfere as long as the activity did not target children. It did not cross into states in which marijuana is illegal that it was not involved with gang activity or other sort of trafficking, the government would basically kind of hang back a little bit. Now, in 2018, Jeff Sessions, who was attorney general at the time, actually reversed the Cole Memorandum. Well, right now, working its way through Congress is something called the Strengthening the Tenth Amendment through Entrusting States Acts. And what that is, is that's a focus, again, to allow states to deal with marijuana at the state level. So the, the, federal, gov the, the federal government is looking into its policy uh, towards marijuana. Okay, interesting. Now, you know, we were talking about it being tested for. What about in a state where it is legal? Let's take Colorado, for example. Can a medical center uh, or a medical group uh, decide to test uh, for marijuana even though it's legal in that state? So as long as the states do have laws that do allow, that do allow individual organizations to te uh, to test for to test for drugs, yes, you can absolutely test for it. I mean, you know, people often make the argument, well, what about my you know what about my rights guaranteed by the Constitution? Well, the truth is, the Constitution doesn't protect you against what a private organization can actually require of you. There are hospitals that will actually not hire you if you're a smoker out there. So obviously, they still have the right not to hire you if actually if you're if you're if you're a, mar a marijuana user. Now, one thing that we I have found is that states have not really done a very good job defining whether healthcare providers can utilize marijuana or not. 
the federal government has basically said there are people that cannot use marijuana. And, you know, it started in 19, uh, you know, in, in uh, the 1980s with the Drug-Free Workplace Act that said that federal employees in special sensitive, critical sensitive, or non-critical sensitive positions, including law enforcement, national security, those involved in the protection of life and public property or public health and safety, could not utilize certain substances. And that was extended in 1991 by the Omnibus Testing Act to basically individuals in safety-sensitive industries, including aviation, trucking, railroads, mass transit pipelines, etc. That hasn't really applied to health care, but many of the states that have legalized marijuana have, have developed what's called carve-outs. And those are Basically, within their laws that say that individuals that are in safety-sensitive position cannot utilize, cannot utilize these drugs. I'm not sure that it's actually been publicized particularly well, and I think ultimately it's still left down to the decision of the individual health care provider. Okay. So there, there may be coming, but we haven't yet seen specific carve-outs for healthcare providers, though it may fall under some of those other call-outs, as you said. Well, the healthcare providers are kind of, un- they're kind of under, uh, uh, they're kind of fall under that, right. but it's, right. cer- it's certainly not publicized very well. Now, the Federation of State Medical Boards did introduce a resolution in April 2016 that said that state medical and osteopathic boards advised their licensees to, exta- to abstain from the use of medical uh, uh, of mar- marijuana for medical or recreational purposes while actively engaged in the practice of medicine. I mean, it still leaves it up to interpretation. Does that mean for the duration of your career or does it mean just today while you're taking care of patients? And I don't necessarily know the answer. Right. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, that would be my other question would be a provider who is uh, using marijuana for a medical reason, right? So someone who maybe has chronic pain issues or maybe right. has cancer but is still practicing, you know, would that be, uh, and they have a prescription and they're in a state where it's legal to use for medical reasons and it's a it's an indication that we know marijuana is, is useful for, you know, would that, would there be any exception for that provider or not in terms of being able to use that medication at work? You know, I, I wish I had the answer for you, but I really don't. You know, I have to admit, I haven't seen a, a case like that come up yet. One has probably come up someplace, but I'm just not aware of it. I mean, in my personal opinion, I think it's very risky because obviously you're taking the chance with the, you know, with the residual effects of it, but you're also looking at more of the chronic effects of the medication too. So uh, I think that's more of a wait, uh, uh, of a wait and see kind of, of, um, uh, a wait and see kind of situation. I can tell you, though, in other safety sensitive positions, again, like aviation, trucking, other forms of transport, the answer would be no, you wouldn't be able to use it. Okay. And obviously, the real question there would be, you know, is it safe for patients? And that right. it sounds like we, we need to be able to figure out is you mentioned the chronic, um, uh, the chronic effects are what, what are those in ge- broad kind of general terms? What are the chronic effects of marijuana as separate well, from the acute? Okay, well, you know, the chronic effects are often more, you know, more um, physically related, you know, chronic bronchitis, you know, some have said emphysema, certain kinds of mouth cancer, impairment of the immune system. But then on the psychomotor and cognitive things, they've seen an 
anti-motivational effect. Um, and even there is some evidence uh, out there of more the, co the cognitive effect uh, and again, decreased reaction. But that needs to be that needs to be studied more over time. We, we you know, a lot of our limitations in studying marijuana has been the fact that it's a schedule one drug and it's very difficult to real, you know, to, to, to study it. I mean, we don't study heroin very well, except for the effects of it. And marijuana is the same way. We've really been restricted in our ability to, you know, to study this substance. Right. So what should we be keeping our eye out for, Mike, in terms of the, coming down the road? Are there going to be different you know, policies coming out, do you think? You mentioned some of the debate happening on, on the federal level. Um, is there, are there studies that are going to help uh, elucidate some of these effects specifically in healthcare providers? What should we be keeping our eye out for? Well, I think what we're going to keep, keep our eye out is I am seeing personally more and more hospitals actually start drug testing. And I think mm -hmm. the hospitals are going to have to start making the decision whether they want to test for marijuana and when are they going to test. And I think you're going to see more. They're going to simply opt to test pre-employment random and obvi obviously for cause. And I think individuals need to be aware of that. And they're going to be informed of it when they apply for jobs at that this is part of, uh, of the drug testing. Right. I expect and that there's actually – go ahead. No, go ahead. I, you know, I think that there's going to be some probably at some point legal challenges to this. But I think also states are going to come around and start – becoming tighter in defining who is in safety-sensitive positions and who should simply not utilize the drug. I think it's a very, very difficult to argument to make that physicians are not in a safety-sensitive position. I mean, we look at the number of individuals that die on an annual basis, you know, for, uh, for, from errors in medicine, you know, since the Institute of Medicine report back in 1999. And, you know, we... we we need, to, I, my opinion, we need to look at the healthcare providers and what are the, what are the effects of, um, you know, what we do on our ability to perform. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And then, you know, I think as as institutions start thinking about this testing, you know, you really and tell me if I'm wrong, but I would think that if you're going to test, if you're going to include marijuana on your on your tests, you can't then have a positive, like let's say you do it for a random screen and it comes up positive, you really, as an institution, I would imagine, can't ignore that because then you're probably on the hook legally if something were to happen with that provider. No, absolutely. I, I think that, again, that, that's another challenge is that hospitals are going are to have to make, you know, as, as this substance does become, you know, more prevalent as, as individuals travel to states where it is, it is, it is very, very much legal and then come back to, uh, to, you know, to their home institution. If they're under, you know, random drug testing, they could come back and Monday morning, they actually get their, their, their drug test. And so I think that, you know, hospitals are going to have to determine how they actually, you know, how they actually deal, deal with the substance. I mean, you deal with it the same way you would an individual that diverts fentanyl from the operating room, or do you deal with it in somewhat of you know somewhat of a, uh, of a different different way than that? And I think that's what hospitals are. They really need to think about that right now because it is going to come up. Yeah, absolutely. Mike. And I would I would say the other thing too is again if you're doing it random, I mean if you're if you're, if you're testing for cause and the drug comes up. You have an impaired performance there. You just don't have an incidental finding. You have an incidental finding. You have a finding in conjunction with impaired performance, and that puts it to a different level. Yeah, I think that's much clearer when it's a four-cause test. I agree. 
Mike, this has been really informative, a lot of interesting stuff here. Anything that we didn't mention that you think we should cover for folks? No, I, I think the you know the important thing is again we are all learning a lot about this, and over the next you know many years we're going to learn more and more about marijuana. You know, hopefully we're going to learn that there are some beneficial effects in appropriate forms in which physicians are able to prescri- prescribe the drug. But I'm hoping that we also get a better understanding of what the effects are on the individual, but also we need to look at the eff- effects on society as a whole, and especially among are young people, you know, that are now growing up in a world where this drug is actually more and more available. What are the effects? And I do truly worry that those are the individuals that may, in fact, end up being targeted by, um, you know, by this industry. And and we, we, we need to be careful. Absolutely. Well, Mike, that's great. We're now at the part of the show where we make random recommendations. So, is there anything uh, that you have come across recently that you would recommend to folks to check out? Oh, geez. You know, I'd say I, I love reading. Um, I, I constantly have one or two books going at the bedside every day. Uh, every day. And related to this topic, I, I would recommend Drug Dealer MD by Lemke, L E M. L-E-M-B-K-E, and I can't think of what her first name is, but she's, I think, an assistant professor out of Stanford. And she really did a remarkable history of substance use disorders and the healthcare system. She does a great job of actually going through the three opioid crises, you know, at the the Turn, the turn between the 18th and the 19th century, mm-hmm. the opioid crisis in the 1960s, and the, unfortunately the one we're going through right now. And it's really very revealing in, in that the roles multiple individuals played in, in this current crisis. And I think she's done a, re, you know, a remarkable job with the book, and it's a fairly quick read. But I think for anyone who's interested in these topics, it's an absolute great place to start. Well, that's great, uh, Mike. Thanks. And tell me the name one more time of the book. Drug Dealer MD. Drug Dealer MD. All right. Great recommendation. Uh, I will say that for a long time, I have been meaning to watch Pitch Perfect uh, because I'm a total sucker for acapella and I can't sing to save my life. But I have such admiration for those who can. And so some friends have been telling me forever, oh, my God, if you like acapella, you've got to watch Pitch Perfect. I finally watched it, and I thought it was just fantastic. Hilarious, entertaining, really a great movie. So if you haven't seen Pitch Perfect and you like acapella, I highly recommend it. And then the uh, we have a listener rec- recommendation. And uh, I will say is one of my med students, but, you know, because he, he recommended it to me as in the, a personal recommendation, and I didn't actually ask him if I could, you know, put his name out. He didn't say it was for a random recommendation. So I'm not going to say his name. I'll just say... He recommended a great book that I just finished and I loved, and it's called Stuff Matters, Exploring the Marvelous Materials that Shape Our Man-Made World. And it's by an author whose name, unfortunately, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce, but it's Mark Miodownik. Uh, it's spelled M-I-O-D-O-W-N-I-K. And the book is fascinating. It's incredibly well done, and he really goes through the materials that we use every day, things like metal, chocolate, plastic. And he talks about how they were created and the history behind them, but he does it in a very entertaining way, and I just thought it was great. So that was a great random recommendation from a listener. And listeners, remember, you can send us via Twitter or Facebook or email your random recommendations, and we'll get some of them on the air. 
All right, Mike, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Oh, Jim, thank you very much. I really, I really appreciate it. Again, thank you. All right. That was a really interesting topic, and I think something's going to be coming up a lot in the future. Let us know what you thought. Go to ACRAC.com. You can leave a comment that others can read and respond to. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Wolpaw, and we're at ACRAC Podcast. You can also join the Facebook group and take part in the discussion there. If you're a fan of the show, please consider going to iTunes and leaving a comment and a rating. It really helps others find the show, and we really appreciate the almost 1,000 five-star reviews. See if you can push us over the edge to 1,000. If you are interested in supporting the making of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash ACRAC. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash A-C-C-R-A-C, where you can become a patron of the show. Even if it's just a dollar or two that you pledge, it makes a big difference, and we really appreciate it. If you would prefer to make a one-time donation, you can do that also by going to paypal.me slash ACRAC. Thank you so much to those who are already patrons and have already made donations. We really appreciate it. Thank you, as always, to our ACRAC intern, Kimia Kashkuli, to Brian Park for making great outlines for some of the episodes. Our original ACRAC music is by the one and only Dr. Dennis Quo. Check out his website at studymusicproject.com. All right. That is it for today. Thanks for listening. For the ACRAC podcast and Dr. Mike Fitzsimons, I'm Jed Wolpaw. Remember, what you're doing out there every day is really important and valued. 